Welcome along to another episode of the How I Caught the Wrestling Bug podcast. I'm your host, David Lovell, and joining me on this episode is Mike Gilbert. Mike, how's it going? Doing great, David. How are you? I'm doing really well. So just to give some people uh, some sort of context as to who you are, you run the Combat Republic site, is that right? Yes, uh, yeah, that's true. Um, I, I started a website called The Combat Republic about a year ago today, honestly. Um, what it was one of my New Year's resolutions was to uh, kind of get back into the, um, the combat sports media game. And uh, so I, I started the site. I, I cover uh, pro wrestling, mixed martial arts, boxing, heavier on the pro wrestling side. Um, and I have a few people that, that help out and that, that contribute to the site as well. And, and we recently just uh, started doing some movie reviews too. So we're uh, opening up our scope uh, that over on the Combat Republic. So I run that. I also run the Combat Republic Twitter. And uh, we've got a pretty decent following going now. Where's the name come from, Combat Republic? Uh, just my twisted mind, really. <laughs> I, I, I was so. The fu- funny story is the reason why I started the site was I, um, Josh Nason of the Wrestling Observer. He posted a thing on uh, Twitter and then on Facebook about uh, looking for re- people to do recaps of shows, and I had I had done a little bit of, of that uh, years prior, and I was interested in getting back into it. So I, I sent him something that I had done, and he was very cordial and very nice and said hey you know i i like what you're doing but you know we're looking for someone with a little bit more experience so why don't you go ahead and get more experience and then uh and then talk to me again a little later and i was like cool no i, I think that was an appropriate response by him i didn't have a whole lot of experience so i was looking to gain some and i didn't know where to start and i started looking at some of the other sites and i was like you know i could do that i could do what they do so I just started my whole website. Now I wanted it to sound somewhat legitimate, and uh, I didn't want it to be named after a wrestling hold or after like an insider wrestling term. And I kind of wanted to talk about just whatever I wanted to talk about. So um, I wanted it to be centered around combat sports. And so I, I started looking at, and I, and I wanted to look somewhat legitimate, right? So I started looking at like names of newspapers and. So I started like, okay, should it be the Combat Sports Gazette, the Combat Sports Post, or you know something like that? And um, I started tossing around ideas, tossing around names, started writing them down, see if they look on paper. Presented a couple to my wife, and uh, ultimately she made the final decision. Um, originally, it was called Alternative Combat Republic um, because I didn't really want to talk about all the mainstream stuff that everybody else was already talking about. Right. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about, you know, instead of UFC, I, you know, I like UFC, I like to talk about it, but nobody's really talking about Bellator or Ryzen or Combate Americas. And instead of talking about WWE, I wanted to talk about stuff that I was watching. So I wanted to talk about Impact. I wanted to talk about MLW, NWA, things like that. And so um, she, she made the call to remove the alternative uh, from it. And uh, just go to the Combat Republic, and uh, you know, here, and here we are a, a year later, uh, you know, thousands upon thousands of views later, um, my my site is still standing. Of course, all the guests I've had on so far, and the ones to come, are all members of the uh, Fight Game Podcast Facebook group, and I think your reputation on there is very much as the Impact guy. You're you're the go-to guy <laughs> on any, anything Impact. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna ask Mike Gilbert because he knows all about it. So, so yeah. I know when Garrett had um, Garrett and Dave spoke to Rich Swan 
yeah, he sort of asked you, well, what, what, yeah, what's been going on with Rich Swan and Eric Young? Give me some sort of background because Garrett doesn't follow Impact, uh, no. but uh, yeah, so yeah, you're very much the uh, the Impact guy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so funny how that how that came about. I because I started, I when I joined that group, I, I noticed that nobody was really talking about Impact, or if they were, they were just kind of making fun of it, which I get, I understand. Um, but I liked the show, and so I, I kind of reached out to some folks, and I, I did start a couple of uh, Impact uh, threads last year, or yeah, I guess it'd be last year now, and it didn't really gain a whole a whole lot of interest um, until until Kenny Omega showed up, and then all of a sudden everybody was watching. Um, but yeah, um, it's it's kind of cool being the being the uh, the Impact guy. Um, Although people blame me when they watch it and they don't like it. Like, dude, I'm, I don't work there. <laughs> and I'm not telling anybody else to watch it. I just happen to enjoy it. Uh, and I like talking about it. I mean, I, I do. I record it every week because we get it over here in the UK on the uh, the free sports channel. So I, I record it every week. I'm a few episodes behind. Uh, I haven't been keeping up with it. But there's a lot of great talent in Impact, you know. But uh, I think the one thing that really bothers me and maybe is other people's problem uh, with it is there's so much it's so much storyline driven and some of the storylines are not maybe the the best at times i I think that's maybe their biggest problem with impact but yeah there's certainly a lot of great talent there isn't there yeah yeah but the the, there's a lot of great talent the roster is not so deep and um they they do a heavy taping schedule they tape so many episodes all at once and if you have everybody, if you increase the amount of wrestling around those shows, you're going to burn out all your matches and probably burn out all the talent, right? And so right. They, now they rely heavily on a lot of the backstage stuff, and they take a lot of chances with that. And unfortunately, a lot of it doesn't work because, um, you know, comedy is subjective, right? And uh, when comedy is good and it really hits, man, it can get you going. But, man, when comedy is bad, it can be excruciatingly bad, and we've seen some of that on Impact. Sadly, we have, yes. Uh, but uh, the, the first question I ask everyone on this show is, what is your earliest memory of wrestling? So can you remember the first time that you, you caught any wrestling? Was it, was it flipping through the channels? Or, yeah, what was the first time you would have come across wrestling? Oh, that, that's, that's an easy question. So um, in 1987... Uh, I would say March or April time frame, we all met at my at my grandma's house. The whole family got together and we watched WrestleMania three. I was uh, right about four years old when that happened, um, and I just remember my family just just jumping up for joy whenever Hulk Hogan uh, body slammed Andre the Giant. And I have the visions in my head to this day, and I'm only four years old at the time. And uh, from then on, I, I've been watching wrestling ever since. Um, it was kind of always something that's been a part of my life, I would say, since I was about four years old. Uh, e- even when other people in my family kind of stopped watching it and they kind of moved on, I never really did. I just stuck with it and uh, really enjoyed it my whole life. The next question, which um, you know, I, I sort of assume it, when asking this question that people started watching wrestling very young, because the question is, which wrestlers captured your imagination as a kid? Now, obviously, some people may have got into wrestling later on in life, but who were some of the guys that captured your imagination? I'm, I'm guessing Hogan would have been mm-hmm. one. Yeah, H- Hogan was definitely one, but my, my first favorite wrestler that really captivated my imagination was the Ultimate Warrior. Um, I I believed in everything he did. Now you looking back on it as a 37 year old man, you kind of watch a lot of the stuff he did. None of it was believable. But when you're four and five years old, right? Um, 
that guy with all the bright colors and the huge muscles and the veins popping out everywhere and the screaming promos that made no sense whatsoever. Um, I legitimately believe like Ultimate Warrior was an alien that was sent down to Earth to vanquish all the heels in the WWF. And I, I believe that he could steal his opponent's power every time he's raising his hands up in the air and he's grabbing the air and he's pulling it down. That was his way of uh, stealing his opponent's energy. And, and we used to talk about that and whenever we'd play wrestling in the backyard. And, you know, I would always try to be the ultimate warrior. I wanted to have those big muscles and the face paint and the whole thing. Um, he was absolutely my first favorite wrestler and uh, definitely captured, captured my imagination. I think one of my favorite matches as a kid was the match he had with uh, Randy Savage at WrestleMania yeah. 7, uh, which was obviously meant to be a retirement match, but like all retirement match in, in wrestling, it wasn't really a retirement match. But everyone remembers, obviously, Randy and Liz uh, getting back together at the end of that match. I think that may have been the best match he ever had. I'm not sure how you feel. But yeah. you think that was the best one he had. I think that was his best match. My favorite match he ever had was against Hulk Hogan right. in uh, yeah. Toronto in 1990 WrestleMania 6. That was the one that I had watched over and over and over again. But, you know, looking back on it all these years later, if you go back and watch them as an adult, um, you know, the Randy Savage match, I would say, was absolutely his best match. Um, but the one that, that captured my heart was always the, the Hulk Hogan one, especially because that was another one of those, the whole family got together uh, here in California uh, my uncle bought it on pay-per-view and met up at his house, and all of the adults were all rooting for Hulk Hogan, and all of us kids, you know, us 10 years and under, uh, we, we were all rooting for Ultimate Warrior. It was kind of uh, like this generational battle, and uh, when uh, Ultimate Warrior eventually won, uh, it was so funny, I remember my uncle goes, oh, well, it's all fake anyway. And I'm like, what a what a dick thing to say to a little kid, right? Like his hero finally wins, and you're mad, so you you just tell him that it's fake anyway. <laughs> How do you feel as a kid with Hogan coming back out at the end and and uh, celebrating with Warrior sort of thing? It should have really been Warrior's moment, and Hogan sort of still stood there in the spotlight. As a kid, I loved the hug. I thought that was great. I thought that was a beautiful moment in a show of uh, sportsmanship. Now, you know, the backstage wrestling politics, I didn't really understand at the time. You take a look back on it later. I, I think it's important to do the hug and to shake the hand yeah. and hand over the title when you're passing the torch. Did they need to keep the camera on him as he's going up the aisleway and then continue panning over to him? No, they should have kept the camera on Warrior. But as a kid, the hug was was the was probably the biggest part of that moment for me. It was really cool to see these guys fight and then come together. I love that in boxing and in UFC too. Um, when you got these two hated enemies, um, they're they're going they go to battle and then afterwards they embrace. I think that's really cool and I thought it was great. What was the first live event that you attended? It was uh, January of 1998. Uh, Raw came to Fresno, California, the night after the Royal Rumble, and that was the night that Mike Tyson showed up. And ah, okay. he was going to be announced. He was going to be announced for WrestleMania 14 that year. And um, during the announcement, Stone Cold came out. And of course, the iconic moment uh, afterwards was, you know, Stone Cold and uh, Mike Tyson going to battle in the ring, and all hell breaks loose, and there's a huge melee. I was right there in the audience, dude. Um, my very first live event ever. And I was already hooked at that point, but that moment right there just skyrocketed my fandom after that to where now now i'm such a huge fan 
Like, I'm buying all the t-shirts, I'm doing all that, I'm wearing them at school. All I can talk about is wrestling. All You know, all me and my friends, you know, we're, we're at football practice, we're at wrestling practice, we're doing all that stuff. But while we're there, we're talking wrestling. Afterwards, we're talking wrestling. My whole weekends were consumed by wrestling. It started at that moment, essentially. That moment is the only one I can recall ever making sort of the national news here in the UK, apart from almost like a, a tragic death like an Owen Hart or a, a Chris Benoit. I think that's the only sort of wrestling thing I can remember that actually made the news was when Mike, Mike Tyson showed up. That was how big of a deal it was at the time. So for you to be there actually in person, that's that's probably one of the most iconic moments in wrestling history, isn't it? So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's still one of those moments that gets played to this day. Like any type of attitude or a compilation or, or if there's a documentary on when when the WWF started to overtake WCW, a lot of them are going to point to that moment right there was Vince McMahon, you know, going out on a limb, spending a lot of money on Mike Tyson, who at the time was a, probably more trouble than he was worth to a lot of people um, because he was such a controversial guy, not only – you know, he had done a couple of years in prison for rape, right? Um, right. People, people don't really like to talk about that, but that's true. Um, and not, and then you, you add factor in all the the drugs and all the other things and all the things that he did in the ring, biting Holyfield's ear, being suspended from boxing. And then McMahon just kind of wiping away all that stuff, throwing a bunch of money at him, bringing him in. And all of a sudden, the tide started to turn there. Uh, to where more eyeballs are getting focused on WWF and less eyeballs are getting focused on WCW. And then it, that really did lead into WrestleMania 14 being one of the bigger pay-per-views that they had done in years. And then, of course, the night after WrestleMania 14, whenever they had um, Austin versus McMahon on Raw, that was the first night that um, Raw had beaten Nitro in a long time. It all kind of started there that night after the Royal Rumble in 1998. Uh, I got to be a part of it, and uh, it's something that I'll never forget. I was, you know, I was about to be 14 years old, and I was already a part of history. Was there any point that you stopped watching wrestling? That you you kind of lost interest in it at all? Yeah, yeah. There's there's been a few points. I would say when I was a kid, it was uh, right around when the Ultimate Warrior left the WWF. I mean, he he left once in '91. He came back in '92, and then right. in '92 he left again. Um, and I, I, so I would say from 92 through 95, uh, I wasn't really watching very much. If it was on and people were watching it, I would watch, but it wasn't like something that I was doing. I was more focused on baseball and things like that. Um, and then, you know, right around Royal Rumble 96, um, I think they were in Fresno that year, if I remember right. correctly. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was kind of a big deal in our area. We watched it on pay-per-view, and then um, they they announced the Ultimate Warrior was returning right after that. And so that was a big deal to me. And then when he returned, uh, he was not the same. Like, it was obviously the same guy, but, like, he it was just not the same Ultimate Warrior that I had remembered years prior. And, but uh, I had seen enough, and I had learned all the new characters by that point. And, and then shortly after, shortly after that, um, the NWO started, and then I was hooked again. Um, and so there, there was a few year period there in the nineties where I, I'd stopped. And then, um, I would say in about 2011, I, I had stopped watching for a little bit because I had gotten stationed in Korea. And despite the fact that they're on the American forces network, um, it was always on kind of a delay and I wasn't really following it too much. I had a lot more responsibilities 
and I, that was deep into my party years too, and I was just focused on other things, and so wrestling really, um, really took a took a back step to a lot of the other things that were going on in my life. And one of the other things that became more prominent in my life was the UFC, and I really, really just focused on UFC and and strike force at the time, uh, the different MMA groups, and I became essentially there there for a good four or five year period. I, I was kind of a a mixed martial arts expert. I was training in mixed martial arts. That's all I was watching. That's all I was talking about. Um, I was training there in Korea, and uh, we would have parties that were just centered around all the big fights that would come on. So, um, yeah, there, there for a few years, I kind of kind of fell out of love with pro wrestling, and then um, in uh, 2014, it really it picked back up again. I got a chance to go see WrestleMania 31 um, in Santa Clara, California, and it really jump-started my fandom again. So what are your sort of viewing habits now? I mean, you mentioned, obviously, you, you follow Impact and, and you, you follow... I, I think you still follow UFC very, very closely and, and you mentioned Bellator yeah. earlier on as well. Any Anything yeah. else? Do you watch much? Do you ever watch like AEW or any WWE stuff at all? Well, for, for pro wrestling, I the two shows that I watch that it's like um, mandatory viewing for me are Dynamite and Impact. Um, and I would say, uh, not even close, I would say Dynamite's the better show, but, um, uh, you know, Impact is kind of like a, a, a labor of love for me. I just, I, I really do like the show, and I've gotten into the characters over the last uh, couple of years. Um, as far as WWE goes, I watch the big shows whenever they are on. Um, Raw and NXT and SmackDown, I don't really watch too much. I'll catch some highlights here and there. I'll listen to what people are saying about it on, online or on podcasts and things like that. And then my, my cousin Joe, who uh, who was a contributor to the site, and he's my old podcast host with me. He uh, he's real big into WWE, so he'll he'll shoot me a message like, "Hey, you you probably want to watch this match. You want to watch that match?" And then I'll go and I'll go and check those out. Yeah, I think a lot of people say that about WWE. They don't watch Raw and SmackDown. They watch the pay per views because maybe they're a network subscriber and they feel that they maybe ought to be watching the the big shows and the big shows for the most part in WWE, do deliver. You know, there's, yeah. there's never going to be any problem with the work rate. It's a lot of times it's just the storylines going into the shows uh, that really don't make any sense. And it's really no wonder why when you hear stories about Vince turning up at like seven o'clock and yeah. changing the whole show. So it's no wonder yeah. it makes no sense. But yeah, I mean, in terms of WWE, I mean, I don't watch, I don't watch it, but the Roman Reigns stuff, I've been trying to catch and try and keep on, on top of that because Roman Reigns has done a fantastic job. Have you, have you seen anything? Oh, yeah. Any of what Roman's been doing lately? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I watched the cage match with him and uh, Kevin Owens on Christmas. Well, uh, the the day after Christmas, before my family got up, I watched it on uh, on the DVR. I thought that was great. I, I watched his um, his match with uh, Kevin Owens at TLC. Um, so yeah, I, I do get to catch a lot of that. And, and it's not like I have anything against the WWE. Um, I, I do think it's just that the shows are increasingly more difficult to watch and I don't want to watch anything on TV that's going to cause me to complain. I, I just don't have that kind of energy and I, I don't have that extra time in my life. Look, you know, I, I, I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I, I, I supervise 14 people at work, I'm also in school, I'm trying to finish my degree before I retire from the military in three years. So I have a lot on my plate already and so my my personal time that I have, I want to do things. I want to involve things that I enjoy, and I. So funny that we'll go back a couple of years. In 2017, I had a podcast, 
It was called the Podcast Express, and it was predominantly me covering WWE because that's what I watched, and Impact was essentially dead at that point. And AEW wasn't even a, a thought anywhere, and then I, I did catch New Japan whenever I could, but New Japan World was just difficult to navigate, so I would just it's watch nice. the Friday on... <laughs> yeah, and I would just watch the Friday on Access shows, So and I would try to talk about those. But I, I watched so much WWE that year that I had that podcast that by the time 2018 came, I was just sick of watching their product because I'm watching three different shows that were all the same to me. Um, they're, they're using the same lingo. It's like different wrestlers, but they're all doing the same moves. And, you know, Ross three hours, and it was becoming a struggle with, you know, with my wife. You know, she's not a big wrestling fan. And so I'm like, you know, this is the three hours out of your day every Monday night. And then at the time, SmackDown was on Tuesday. So you want to do it again on Tuesday. Oh, and then, you know, NXT's on Wednesday. So now you want to do it on Wednesday. And then on a pay-per-view, <clears throat> excuse me, then on a pay-per-view, you, you, ask, you also have to add in on Sunday. So it became like four days in a row a lot of times where you're just like hours and hours and hours. And then on Thursday, I was doing the podcast, and I'm just talking about the previous four days. It became a bit much for me. And I wasn't getting paid for any of it. All right, so I... I, uh, I I watched so much that I just ended up getting sick of it. And um, in, in 2018, Don Callis and Scott Demore uh, took over for Impact, and I got the chance to listen to them on uh, Talk is Jericho. And they talked about their vision of what they wanted Impact to be. And and I, I could identify with some of the things they were talking about. They kind of had a bloated roster at the time that they had to release a ton of people. All these people got got cut or their contracts came expired. And they, they brought all these up. They brought in the Lucha Brothers, who I had seen on Lucha Underground. And they brought in Brian Cage, who was on Lucha Underground, the Johnny Mundo, all, all these other guys. And I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. This is kind of something I can get behind. And so I uh, – and their show was – two hours but on a dvr if you skip commercials and you skip the flashback parts it's like an hour and 20 minutes that's an easy watch for me i i can enjoy that right um and so that that's kind of what i've been watching and then once AEW came on i started watching AEW every week and it's my favorite show so we come now to what i call rapid fire questions i'm not not sure how rapid fire they really are but anyway the, the first the first question is favorite wrestler of all time so you mentioned ultimate warrior was your yeah. favorite when you were growing up but i mean would, would you still say he's your favorite of all time or would you have someone <laughs> else in that position i'm guessing someone no, else it, it's it's definitely someone else i don't know if, if the social justice warriors will allow me to say the ultimate warrior as a, as a grown-up but uh no uh rick flair would be my favorite wrestler of all time if you look at my skype profile picture it's my face superimposed on rick flair's body so <laughs> and uh and, and funny you know, when I was 17, you said rapid fire. I'm too long-winded. I apologize. So when I was when I was 17, and Ric Flair was going through all of the turmoil that he was going through in WCW, um, I I was already in love with the guy. Fell in love with him even more. When he came over to WWF, just a huge fan. I got a chance to go back and watch all the old wrestling matches from the 80s I had right. missed. Yeah. Uh, I even dyed my hair to look like Ric Flair when I was a kid, <laughs> and I kind of that's like that's who I wanted to be as a 37 year old dad who's a really good husband. I'm nothing like Ric Flair, right? But but when I was you know 16, 17, I wanted to be just like him. Yeah, one of my favorite DVDs is the the Ric Flair one that WWE put out uh, with all his all his best matches on, and 
I would I would quite happily sit and watch all the Ricky Steamboat matches over and over and over again. Uh, oh. It doesn't get any better than that. It really doesn't. I think Rick's probably one. I don't know if he's my favourite of all time, but he's certainly one of my because Brett was always one of my favourites. Um, uh, but Rick's definitely up there for me as well. Uh, favourite match of all time. Uh, another easy question, David. That is uh, the submission match. Um, Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania 13. Right. Yeah. Not only is it my favorite match, I, you know, people can say Okada Omega, they can say all the Flair Steamboat matches. I think that's the greatest match of all time. If you're talking about just storytelling, violence, just great moves, uh, submission holds, blood, the whole thing, the story of how everything turned around, I, I think that's the greatest match of all time, and it's absolutely my favorite. I've probably seen that match more than any other match that's ever happened. See, I see a lot of people. Well, not a lot of people, but but some people say, from a wrestling standpoint, the match they had at Survivor Series '96 was a better match. I can definitely see that argument, but that was just a perfect match at WrestleMania 13, as you yeah. say, and also in terms of history, you know, and and what happened well, afterwards. That was such yeah. a big turning point in the business because obviously Brett turning heel, you know, obviously everywhere apart from America, uh, everywhere, uh, uh, sorry, everywhere else, but only in America was he a heel. Yeah, he, was a, he was a baby face, obviously, in Canada, and he was a baby face, you know, here in the UK, but in America, he was the biggest heel there was, and it, it was such a great dynamic at the time. Uh, 97 was just such a great year all around, wasn't it? It's just... Uh, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Have you read Dave's uh, 97 yearbook yet well yeah well i'm, I'm sort of halfway through it because obviously we're doing it for the book club are you going to be part of that or i'm hoping to yeah absolutely yes yeah, so i'm looking forward to hopefully getting a question or two uh for dave about 97 because there's so much stuff i'd like to ask him about uh, in terms of that year but the best show that you ever attended live would that be the one you mentioned earlier the the roar in 98 you know that that's the one that stuck with me my whole life. Um, but you know, e episodes of Raw, you know, they're usually good for a couple of moments. But as far as an up and down, just a, a great wrestling show, it would it would have to be the WrestleMania in 2015 in uh, Santa Clara for me. Um, and that and that's even counting the fact that in uh, I think 2006, I actually got to watch Brock Lesnar win the IWGP title in the Tokyo Dome. I was there live, um, and that was a great wrestling show. But the, the WrestleMania, uh, I, I just can't, I just can't beat it. I, I think that that one was my favorite. I even went to the NXT show. They did kind of a takeover thing there. That was just, uh, that wasn't on. T it was not televised or anything. It was uh, just a house show. That was really good. But I, I always go back to the WrestleMania in uh, Santa Clara in 2015. See, I'm trying to remember. See, see, if you asked me <coughs> WrestleMania from 25 years ago, I could tell you better oh. what what the card was. But WrestleMania 2015, so that would have been. That's Would that Roman have been Brock, Brock and the, Roman and Brock? Right, that's right. Yeah, Roman and Brock won, and then Seth Rollins Seth cashed in. in. Yeah, that's right. And that's oh. also Seth and Randy Orton, which I think was the match of the night. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then one one that was near and dear to my heart. I know people hate it, but I'm a Sting fan, so I was just seeing Sting and Triple H. Ah, okay, I, yeah. I, I had never seen Sting live before because I never went to uh, WCW. Just didn't really come to California, and if they did, it was LA or San Francisco, and it was just too far for me when I was a kid. So um, I I never had the chance to see Sting live, and so just to get to see him and the entrance and and Triple H's entrance with all the the Terminator stuff, I thought was great. And then the six way ladder match opened that show. It was um, 
I uh, I'm gonna butcher this, but it was Daniel Bryan, uh, Bro- you know the the late and great uh, Brody Lee, Luke Harper at the time, um, and I think Dolph Ziggler and uh, a few other guys. They were they were in that match. That was also really really good. And then it's also the WrestleMania where where my two worlds collided when The Rock showed up to confront Stephanie. Uh, McMahon and Triple H, and he pulled Ronda Rousey out of the crowd. Right, yeah. And uh, they had that awesome moment. So um, I, I always go to that. Even though it was in the 49ers football stadium, I was right at the top of that stadium. But I got the cheapest tickets available. Um, just that whole weekend for me, I got to take part in a lot of the, the festivities of WrestleMania weekend. Not only did I see NXT, but I I got to go to JR's uh, one-man show. I, I dragged my, my wife there to that. Um, that's when you know she's a ride or die if she'll go and just watch a Jim Ross talk for an hour and a half and tell stories about people she has no idea about, right? Uh, telling stories about uh, you know scrubbing the backs of these two fat guys from the fifties, um, and um, I I got to um, stay in the hotel where all the wrestlers stayed, so that was really cool. Uh, the Fairmont in San Jose—that's where they were at. And so I'm just sitting there eating dinner, and like the table next to me, there's Bruno San Martino and. Kevin Nash is like right behind me and you know got a chance to meet all these people shared an elevator with Kane and with Michael Hayes and got up the next morning had breakfast right next to you know Ted DiBiase and Diamond Dallas Page it was really cool so the the, the take <coughs> what was the main match of that takeover that year I'm trying to think. uh it, yeah it was um well it wasn't televised but the the main so they had two main matches there was a Finn Balor uh versus uh Neville I believe and then there was a uh, Charlotte and Sasha Banks um, I believe, man, my memory is real foggy. So <laughs> somebody is going to fact check the hell out of this. They're going to call me stupid. Feel free. Um, I'm trying to remember. I just know that it was awesome. Uh, it was really fun. <laughs> um, and uh, there was like 5,000 people jam-packed to the rafters. Not even kidding, man. And that place was just insane. It was a real fun show. And the question, I, the last question I ask everyone, and uh, they, a lot of people don't know how to really go about answering it, because it's, it's kind of a vague question in a way, because the question is, if you could change one thing about the business, what would it be? So how would you go about answering that question? Uh, yeah, so that that is the only difficult question you've asked me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I could usually just go off the top of my head with a lot of these things, because there's a lot that I would, I would change about the business as a whole if I had ultimate power, right? I. You know, me being in the, in the military in America, I don't know how it works for you guys in the UK. I'm sure it's similar where, you know, we're, we're taken care of uh, with our benefits and with health care and things like that. I, I would love to see that, like a union in pro wrestling where they all right. kind of get together yeah. and, and their their medical bills are covered. They have retirement plans. They have all this and that. But, you know, it's a, it's a cardi game. It's a game of hustlers, and you're really not ever going to get anybody on the same page. Um, but as far as what I would see on TV... Um, I, I would like it to be more adult oriented, not, not saying like, um, like bring back the attitude era with all the sex and all that. And we don't need all of the blood and the gore, but just, you know, storylines that are, you know, that kids can enjoy, but adults can also enjoy as well. Right. Like it can be TV 14 without all the, the sex and the violence, um, a little bit of salty language, but the wrestlers are more serious, right? Um, and if they're going to be smiley, happy, and dancing, they can get their ass kicked in the first couple of matches. But I just want to see two badass dudes fight for a title, right? And you can throw in some storylines here and there, um, which, you know, that's 
pro wrestling is a storyline driven business and i understand that but a lot of times the story can be hey i want that title and i'm going to kick the shit out of you to get it right um and i want to see just two two guys fight for a title isn't it can't, can't we just have that and without all the outside interference you know a thousand a thousand people running right. in all the time yeah. you, you see you see you know aew does a good job of not having like a, an overabundance of, of interference but yeah. even even they have it too right um, so it, it gets to be difficult. I, I, I would like to see a little bit more of that. I, I'd like to see titles treated like titles, and I'd like to see world champions carry themselves as world champions. And if they're an undercard guy that gets put up to a main event spot, leave that undercard shit behind, right, and, and step into that main event role and carry yourself like a star. Um, I, I, I think that the, the aura of the pro wrestler is missing uh, in a lot of cases. You, you still see it. You, see, you know, Roman Reigns carries himself like a star, right, um, a guy who's really underrated, not the greatest guy in the ring, but you'll appreciate this, Nick Aldis. You know, he looks, acts, talks, just carries himself like a star. Does, um, yeah. and, and whenever he's out there, you know it's serious business and that that title means the world to him. I, I, I miss that. I, I miss that aspect of pro wrestling. I mean, to a certain extent, it's what we're getting with, with, with Kenny now as well uh, in AEW. I mean, you look at him and immediately, you know, he, he just comes across as a star you know and yeah. I, I love the fact that they're now doing the crossover stuff with with impact i'm sure if uh, we were in a, a pandemic they would have done some stuff with new japan as well i think that was just a, a given that AEW was going to work with them uh, but uh, yeah kenny is just i mean people will say that they should have brought him in like that from day one and should not have done the tag team with with hangman but like i kind of disagree with that i, I kind of feel i like the fact we had the tag team first and now we're getting the kenny because I mean, let's, let's be honest, Kenny's never had that sort of platform in, in North America before, you know, so no. unless you sort of follow New Japan and you know you're wrestling, if you only follow WWE, you don't know who Kenny Omega is, so it, it makes sense that they want to build AEW around Jericho and Moxie and guys like that to start with, but I think in the future, obviously, Kenny's going to be the biggest star, probably the biggest star in the company, and they're going to focus on guys like MJF and... You know, Orange Cassidy and guys like that. So, yeah, I think uh, AEW is, is doing a great job. I definitely agree with you in terms of them. I mean, they, they, they never do, like, DQs. They, I think they've done, what, yeah. one in the whole history of the company? I, I, if, if it's more than one, it's only two, right? I mean, it, it hasn't been many, if, if at all, yeah. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Obviously, there is a little bit too much interference at times, but they definitely treat their champions more seriously, and a bit of blood every now and again. I don't want to see it every week, but like the the match with Brody and the, the late great Brody and, and Cody, the uh, the dog collar match. Oh, that yeah. was a fantastic match, and it oh, was yeah. it was made even better by having blood involved. Yeah, yeah. If if you're in a cage match and there's no blood, you're not even in a cage match. It's all bullshit. No. Yeah, you know, if you're in a dog collar match and no one bleeds, if you're hitting somebody in the face with a chain and they don't bleed, you're, it's not really a chain. Right, and so, like, bring a little bit of the freaking realism back to what we love. Um, I, and I think AEW does a lot of that, but they're also guilty of doing some silly shit too, right? But when they do it, it's down there in that first couple of matches. Like, they got the stupid dinosaur, which can be funny <laughs> and cute at, at times, but you know he's not going to win the world title, right? <laughs> and if they did, he probably wouldn't be a dinosaur anymore. They would just call him Judas Draven or whatever dumb name he had when he was in WWE. So. You know, they, you know, 
treat your tough guys and your title holders and your big matches as serious. Leave the silly stuff so that way I can skip through it when I watch it on DVR the next day. You know, leave leave that down at the beginning. And, and all your bad sketch comedy, put it on YouTube so I don't have to pay attention to it. You know, BTE, some people love it. Not for me. It's on YouTube. I don't watch it. And, and that's fine. Um, I, I you know, Keep it on YouTube. Just don't bring, don't bring it to Dynamite. <laughs> Um, I, I don't think that the general public really, really likes it all that much, and I, I think that's a lesson that, that uh, you know other companies, especially Impact, can learn. When you look at the AEW roster with, with Kenny as the champion, I mean, who are some of the baby faces that jump out to you as as challenges? Because I, I I don't see, if I'm honest, I don't see many great baby face challenges in AEW. I mean, what do you think about them doing Orange Cassidy against? Kenny, do you think that's a match that could work as a top match? A top match on an episode of Dynamite, absolutely. But not a, a top match. On, no, not a no. pay per view. No. I, I, well, you know, you you got to do the Moxley rematch, right? Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, Pack. I mean, I suppose Pack would. Pac, is he a babyface? Yep. I guess he is. So that would be another one. He is now. Yep, he is now. Um, so you got Moxley, you got Pack, you got uh, Adam Page, who um, I think is going to go full blown babyface here here pretty soon. Um, you know, I think they're trying to do something with Lance Archer. I just I'm not seeing it right now. Mm-hmm. I I think he's a he's a better heel, but I think they're trying to turn him babyface. Um, so but if you're looking at the babyface, yeah, you know, I think I think you got a good point. You know, they're gonna turn Chris Jericho babyface. Yeah, eventually. I could definitely see um, that. I could definitely see MJF as the leader of the inner circle down the road, and and Jericho being a babyface. Yeah, and and Jericho, you know, his contract doesn't last forever. He's going to be fifty, and he's got other interests. I I don't know how much longer he stays in AEW. Probably just until the end of his contract. But I, I think you do a babyface turn there, and um, and you you um, that's another opponent for um for Kenny Omega. And then you know they're always signing new free agents um to to bring in. Um, they would have to turn some heels babyface though if they want to just line up challengers, and I hope they don't blow through them too quickly because they they're already doing they're already doing Phoenix here for here pretty soon. I think uh, this coming up Wednesday, right? They're going to do the Phoenix yeah, match. It, it was it was pushed back from from last Wednesday because of the Brody tribute show. So uh, yeah, they're going to yeah. do that this coming this coming Wednesday on Dynamite. That should be a hell of a match, though. It's going head to head with uh, Balor and. Um, O'Reilly. I'm not sure which match is going to be better because I think Balor and O'Reilly could have a really great match as well. They did have a great match on that uh, the last takeover. I'm not sure if you saw that match yeah. or not. No, no, I did. I, I, I thought they were fantastic. Those those are two uh, two two great wrestlers. I just don't know that anybody sees O'Reilly as a main eventer. Honestly, um, I, I I personally like him. Some people like his charisma. I just don't see his him having top guy charisma. He's subservient to Adam Cole in that group, and uh, and I think that's okay. It's 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 okay to be a really good wrestler and a really good tag team wrestler, and you're going to have really good matches in the main events. I just don't know that anybody is going to uh, say, oh my God, look at this Kyle O'Reilly promo. I, I don't think you're going to get a lot of that. So um, I, I just don't see him being being the top guy. And I will say that knowing full well that a lot of people disagree with me about Kyle O'Reilly, but <laughs> I didn't see it when he was in Ring of Honor. I didn't see it in New Japan. I'm not seeing it in NXT. And, I, and he seems like a genuinely good person and a hell of a wrestler. A great worker in the ring, main eventer. I'm not seeing it. No, I, I definitely agree with you uh, on that. Um, I mean, we we could talk forever um, about wrestling. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure we'll definitely. I say this to every guest I have on, but I, I would love to have you back at some point. Obviously, this podcast 
is a little bit restrictive as in terms of how much we can really talk about because um but um i certainly want to do i'm not sure what the next phase is going to be of this podcast because obviously this only has a sort of relatively short shelf life once i've ran for everyone in the fight game <laughs> podcast facebook group but uh yeah whatever the next phase is i'd love to have you back on uh, to talk about whatever it might be but uh and we've, we've talked about doing podcasts for for weeks now so it's good to finally uh get some time obviously time difference is an issue uh with yeah. us being eight hours uh eight hours time difference but uh yeah I'm, I'm glad we finally got a chance to do this oh well thanks for having me on man i really appreciate it i was getting kind of jealous you uh you had a lot of the other guys on and then uh, you even got that brian alvarez on uh and uh to follow him as uh i i can handle that that's good <laughs> i really i really enjoyed that conversation with brian about the book um, death of wcw in fact i don't know if you saw but i um i'm also going to get rd reynolds as well uh, yeah no he's a funny guy i think you should get him and then uh um there's there's lots of lots of guys out there that are they're hawking their books that would love to come on i'm sure i'd love to have them on yeah i think that um when i was doing the interview with brian um i was asking him questions about the early days of wcw and he's like well i didn't really i don't really know much about it because you know that was the part of the book that rd reynolds wrote you know i was pretty much writing about the stuff from 95 96 onwards so i thought oh maybe i could get rd to come on and talk about the early days then and he's agreed yeah. to do that so i look forward to to doing that i've got some great guests coming up i've got some great guests coming up as well in the in the upcoming weeks i've got uh tim page uh who's going to be on, on tuesday and then thursday uh gonna have john the rocker on which i'm really looking forward to so uh yeah the the golden booker john the rocker the golden booker john the rocker yeah but I can I can hear your your kid there in the background. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I, yeah I, she's, she's likely being uh, needing a diaper change or something like that. Right. So, so I, I won't I won't keep you any longer. But um, I, like I said, I'd love to have you back at some point. Anytime, my brother. Anytime. Okay. Thank you, Mike.